Oh, hello, my dear audience. Welcome to another episode of Sales Enablement Live. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have to say, you're the salt to my pepper. You're the peanut butter to my jelly. You're the yin to my yang. Thank you so much. I enjoy producing this podcast so much these days, and this is all because of you and my guests, of course. I absolutely love the discussions that we had recently. Lots of really robust discussions as well. Very productive, talking about some of the insights. And I want to extend that discussion uh, to this episode as well. Please, if you have any comments or questions, uh, please feel free to drop those in the chat and I will address those uh, with you. And a few things that we want to cover today include the key insights from the most recent episodes of the State of Sales Enablement podcast featuring the very talented Rosie Young and Joshua Fady from salesreach.io. Great discussions. We'll dive into a few of those insights from those episodes. And we will also talk about a couple of the most recent uh, news stories uh, in the sales and sales tech space. And then uh, we'll also talk about, of course, your questions, any questions that you, that you might have during this episode. And then, of course, also any questions that might have been submitted in advance. So, yeah, let's dive right in. So the very first the very first item I want to cover includes the insights from the Rosie Young episode. And for those not familiar with Rosie Young, so Rosie is uh, one of the up-and-coming sales enablement superstars. She's currently at Gartner, and she joined me in this episode to talk specifically about uh, the kind of expectations that she has in mentorship programs, the kind of tips that she has for peers at her seniority level that might just be starting out in sales enablement. And I think those kind of insights are really interesting, specifically for business leaders who want to nurture sales enablement and uh, sales enablement newcomers uh, within their business. Because as everybody knows, there's a big talent shortage going on at the moment, globally, pretty much, but in particular here in Australia, uh, where we're so reliant on talent from overseas joining this growing joining this growing market and talent development and specifically in sales enablement which is such a fast growing space that requires so much more talent in a short amount of time becomes really important without further ado what i will say to any new enabler is just to learn the basics there are a lot of great resources out there that are either free or just don't cost too much but then I think as we alluded to before, just have an open mind that things might change over time, especially as enablement is such a new concept to a lot of companies. I think you just have to have a continuous learning mindset in this role. Okay. I absolutely love this insight uh, and this advice from Rosie because she touches on a couple of concepts here that I can absolutely confirm thinking back to uh, my time starting off my career and also working in enablement role. I think really focusing on getting the basics right. Uh, yeah, of course, like I think that's that's something that can't be neglected. You can't you can't wing it. Uh, you really have to put the work in to really learn the textbook basics, so to speak, of enablement and really dive into what is best practice. But I think one of the things that is really important uh, to get right for young professionals in the sales enablement space is that that fine line between between getting the basics right, so the basic knowledge and uh, confidence. So I think you have a dynamic oftentimes with uh, young professionals, and I was certainly guilty of that starting out in my career, of either being overly confident or lacking confidence for no reason. Like both might not really have um, any solid foundation. Like you might be 
overly confident, even though you don't know all the ins and outs of an area, just simply because you don't know what you don't know. Or you might doubt yourself also for no reason, because you're not really um, conscious of the kind of things that you do know. And I think um, those are the kind of things that that young professionals should be really focusing on and that I, if I tur could turn back time, would probably work on with more focus. If you're able to really identify the things that you don't know and the things you do know, you take the emotion out of the equation and you really uh, build that confidence in the things that you do know and you are humble enough to recognize the things you don't know. And I think uh, if you pair that with a learning mindset and you pair that with a mentor that guides you through that journey, I think your development curve and your learning curve will be extremely steep. So I think anybody who might just be starting out in their career and who might be struggling in this area, I can certainly uh, recommend a pro that approach, which helped get me out of that dynamic of being overly confident or lacking confidence in certain areas. Now I want to share with you the second snippet of this episode. And in this one, we again have Rosie. Have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome and especially when dealing with more senior peers within your business and how did you deal with that? Oh, absolutely. I've still got imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome just doing this podcast. <laughs> when you initially asked me, I was like, really? <laughs> I think it was a lot worse at the beginning. Obviously, there's always an element of imposter syndrome when A, you go into something new to you, but also you set out in a relatively new space in itself, especially one with a very unclear definition, as I mentioned earlier. As I said before, enablement means so many things to so many different companies. But honestly, what helped me is researching and taking courses to improve my opportunity areas. And I'll give an example here. So I'm not that confident with data. My partner is not only the most patient man in existence, but he's actually also a chief data officer. So it's hilarious. That is one of my true weaknesses. I was never good at maths as a child. And I know that it's a component of sales enablement and I can read very high level data sets and take some context from it and understand where we need to improve. But it's definitely an area that I need to work on in order to be confident in presenting numbers and metrics back. So it was fairly recently I took one of the free sales courses or sales enablement courses on saleshood. I think it was the sales enablement leadership course. And I saw Laurie Schrager talk through revenue outcomes and reading data. And I think even just hearing her break down which metric types we should be looking at in terms of recording and communicating outcomes was hugely beneficial. I will also say there are so many kind individuals in enablement who will help if you ask. Big shout out to Crystal. I know she appeared on your podcast a few months ago, but she in herself has been absolutely amazing in giving me a bit more of a steer and just showing me the ropes in enablement. So I think imposter syndrome is uh, something that everybody deals with. And I th certainly think it's not exclusive to the young professionals, even though it might be more frequent there, uh, just because you're constantly being forced out of your comfort zone. If you're ambitious and if you start in new roles, which might be more frequent in earlier stages of your career. But I still do have friends and I still experience that myself uh, in some situations where you are talking to a very big company or you suddenly get a very big project handed to you where you stand back for a minute and think, oh, okay, like you, you feel that imposter syndrome coming up. But just one note here, I think, again, something that's uh, really helped me along the way for anybody who might be 
struggling with that is really recognizing that imposter syndrome is a reflection of the fact that you care about the outcome and you care about the work that you deliver. And the fact that you care leads to performance, right? And you want to make things right. And I think if you have that sort of mindset and you're aware of that, you already have an advantage compared to a lot of other people that might be out there who don't really care about the outcomes, who might be just shrugging their shoulders, just go with it, but don't really put the care or the focus that is required to deliver great work um, into such a project. So I think imposter syndrome is actually a positive reflection of that you care. And just by uh, feeling that way and by recognizing that you feel that way, I think there's a huge opportunity for you to deliver your, to deliver your greatest work. And I think the fact that you feel like an imposter doesn't mean that you are one. I think most people feel that way. It's also important to note that, like it's not ex exclusive to you. And I think that there's a great opportunity in caring about your work. And that's what makes uh, the greatest people in the sales and agreement space, from my point of view, that they really care about the work they do. They care about their customers and they care about the salespeople that they enable. So those are my two cents on the, on the rosy young episode. I think really awesome conversation and I think a really useful conversation as well for a lot of aspiring sales enablers who might be new to the space and have really set uh, lofty goals for themselves. I think, I think those kind of peer conversations are also invaluable. A lot of people always talk about mentorship programs. I think talking to people who are at the same seniority level and sharing those challenges who with people who are in the thick of it also creates a sense of community and can also help you accelerate your learning and your development. So uh, this episode will certainly be useful for people at the beginning of the career in sales enablement. And I highly recommend you tuning in that one as well on the State of Sales Enablement podcast. Now, the next couple of insights that I want to share with you are from the Josh Feedy episode. So Josh is a founder in the sales tech space, and he heads up a company that's really interesting and is really focused on creating uh, buyer experiences. And this gives you some background to understand where some of this thinking comes from and some of his comments um, also originate from. And I think uh, it's a very interesting approach in an area where in sales tech, where a lot of people talk about scale and automation, uh, using AI and essentially scaling uh, your sales approach. I think he really comes in from a different angle. And I want to share with you a couple of um, insights from that conversation that, that I had with him on the podcast. If we're going to be more human in our sales process, let's not keep working towards removing the human element of a sales process. Let's actually be human in our sales efforts because we can all see through it. We all know when we receive something that was crafted by a marketing team or was crafted by an AI bot or was shared with us by an AI automated sequencing. We all know immediately when we receive it and it doesn't give any of us the warm fuzzies and it doesn't make any of us want to respond or move forward. All right. So again, I think uh, a really interesting topic and a hot button topic uh, for me, certainly. I think there's a lot of uh, talk about the power of, of sales tech and the power of AI in scaling sales approaches and interaction with customers. And I think oftentimes it's a mistake to think that way and it is not giving customers um, or buyers enough credit. I think you have to be really picky uh, about where you introduce automation and scale in your approach and interacting with the market. 
I think in a environment where people work remotely, uh, buyers work remotely, and there's a lack of human interaction, I think the human element within sales becomes more and more crucial. And one of my friends, Peter Lawrence from PDA Group in Austria, also likes to talk about this topic. So I, I recommend following her if you're interested in talking about the more human element of sales as well. Uh, and I think the introducing the human element um, into sales is again a really big opportunity in differentiating yourself in a programmatic market. Right now, I do want to qualify that by saying, of course, you should always aim to cover as much of the market as possible, and especially if there's ambitious goals and ambitious uh, targets set for the sales team, it might not always be possible to personalize everything. But I think the, the potential for a human approach to sales and a human approach to interacting with buyers is a big opportunity as a differentiator in an environment where remote sales is pretty much the standard and there's more and more automation going on. So I think an interesting space to watch and I'm really keen to have more discussions around that topic as well. Now, uh, moving on to the second snippet of the interview with Josh. Sales has always been a long game. Sales has always been a relationship-based practice. But today, where I see the most success is not necessarily from the conversations that I have with the individual themselves becoming a customer. It's becoming a trusted resource to somebody who then wants to bring you up, wants to advocate for you, and wants to make introductions and inroads to their network where they feel you can bring additional value. And that's a very long strategic play. And I'm not saying that every relationship that I build is just to hopefully get to the referrals that come in. I think when you get into sales, you do that because you're the kind of person that likes to make friends with people, right? You like to have a lot of friends. But if you can allow yourself to play the long game and not fall back into those spammy tactics that we used to 10, 15, 20 years ago, not go for the hard sell, only really sell when it makes sense for your buyer, when you know that their needs are going to be met by what you're selling into them. When you're that person, then you start being the person that they think of every time when they have a need. And then that's where honesty becomes really important. Hey, Josh, I have a need for X, Y, and Z. You know what, Felix? I'm not your guy for that. But here's the thing. I actually know three people that are incredible at that. Would you mind if I made an introduction for you? How many introductions would you like? Would you like all three? Okay. I just gave away money. A lot of people look at it that way, but I didn't because you're going to be introduced to two to three people that I trust, that I think do an absolutely incredible job. I know they're going to do a great job for you. And when they do an incredible job, you're going to think, wow, that Josh, he's great. This happened because of him. And I'm definitely reaching out to him when I have another need because either he's going to be able to solve her or he's going to know the right person to help me through that. And sooner or later, I'm going to be the right person to solve for the challenges that you have. And I'm going to be the one that gets the first crack. And you're probably not going to look at too many other options because you're going to go, I already trust this guy. Like we're moving forward. All right. I think so what Josh describes here is pretty much the gold standard that we should aim for in sales, really being a resource to buyers. And just from my experience, like not only what he refers to in terms of actually referring solutions, if you're not the right fit, I think that's the right way, thing to do and the right way to go about it. And of course, that is only possible 
if you have the network of uh, trusted partners that you can refer uh, people to. So I think that's certainly something worth pursuing. I think that is sometimes neglected by sales teams, at least from my experience, that there is not a robust uh, network of specialist service providers in the network that they're happy to refer customers to potentially. And of course, um, what you will also find if you follow that approach is that not only the, the customer will see you as a valuable resource, but then oftentimes they are so surprised by your approach and it's so unusual that you appear so trustworthy in the way that you actually turn away business just to solve their problem, that they are actively seeking ways in, in which they can work with you. and. I've experienced that uh, several times, and this is certainly no manipulative approach or anything. This is a genuine interest into actually creating outcomes for your customers and uh, helping your customers succeed. And I think uh, that's worth pursuing. In terms of actually being a resource for your clients, I think the other thing to note as well, and uh, something that I see a lot of organizations fall short in, is the industry knowledge and actually the business acumen required to be that advisor. And I think. That's certainly something that will change, from my opinion, in the way sales talent is being sourced and also sales talent is being nurtured in the development. I think there will be much heavier emphasis on consulting and all the things that come with it, which includes staying up to date with industry news, understanding trends, understanding how those trends relate back to the solutions that you offer and how those solutions can solve your uh, customers' business problems, how those trends impact your customers' businesses and um, also on a micro level, what sort of KPIs your customers have to deal with and how those trends affect those KPIs. So I think those are all, those are all areas that require a certain level of business acumen and industry knowledge, uh, which is currently not very often present in B2B sales organizations. I think the, a lot of organizations are still struggling to move away from the features and functions pitch into a solution-focused pitch, but I think the move from a solution-focused pitch to a, a more consultative approach a deep, that requires deep knowledge is the next evolution on that journey. And those organizations that make that move will be two steps ahead of um, other competitors. So I think, again, a very exciting time in sales for that reason. It's a challenge, of course, uh, for that sort of change to happen in organizations and I deal with the challenge in some organizations that I support as part of my company and I can certainly see that as a big chunky challenge but I do think it's worth pursuing because it really goes into the heart of what it means to be a seller in 2022 and beyond. Yeah. Now the other thing I also want to call out about Josh's comments is that the sort of approach that, that he mentioned also includes the curation of industry resources, like which also positions you as a capable advisor uh, to your clients' businesses. Uh, that's actually what his company does. And I think uh, that's another art that not a lot of organizations have mastered yet. I think I recently listened to a podcast, unfortunately, I can't remember which one it was, but um, there was somebody who spoke about that they trained their sales organization on um, actually using competitors' white paper on leading self sales conversations. And I think, you know, this is an extreme case, but it's really a reflection of the sort of power that content curation has and the fact that you don't necessarily need to 
do all the legwork when it comes to actually creating content and creating content that has your brand on it. But there's a lot of authority behind actually sourcing third-party insights that you talk to. And um, that increases the trust with your customers and also shows that your focus is on solving business problems, not on getting your logo in front of people. So I think that's another one uh, to consider on that front. Now, that was it for the insights from the last uh, few weeks of the state of sales enablement. Again, really keen to hear your thoughts uh, if you have any. And let's move on to the next segment of this show, which is the news sales enablement and just a couple of announcements that I do want to call out. Number one is the fact that Second Nature, which is a very interesting sales tech business, has announced a $12.5 million round of investment. And I just quickly read out the announcement to you. The announcement goes, uh, Zoom's venture funds uh, fund invests in conversational AI platform. Second Nature announces a $12.5 million round of investment to build out their conversational artificial intelligence service. Second Nature's platform uses conversational AI to coach a salesperson and improve selling skills as well as product knowledge. A salesperson in training runs through a simulated sales call with Jenny serving as the customer. The video conversation is recorded and each trainee gets a score on his or her performance with advice on how to improve various elements of the pitch. The second nature training platform combines sales training and product marketing education in one place. The reason why that is interesting is also because of the item that I touched on earlier, um, which is the use of technology that enables scale within sales. And I think from an operational point of view, the sort of, sort of technology really makes sense. And I highly recommend uh, checking that platform out for everybody who's listening uh, to this podcast, just simply because it is such an interesting application of AI and an interesting um, approach to scaling sales coaching through AI. And I think the, the fact that Zoom's uh, venture fund invests in that technology might also be due to the fact that Zoom's uh, global sales team is actually using that technology, as I know from talking to that vendor. But it's really a reflection of the potential of that sort of technology, I believe. And I think we will see more AI applications in the sales tech space. And again, as I said earlier, I do think only those platforms that um, really apply AI to ways that create positive efficiency in the sales process, which from my point of view, doesn't include the, the buyer interaction will really succeed. And again, that was my prediction in one of the last podcasts of 2021, if you listen uh, to me on a regular basis, I do believe that in addition to Gong, you will see a few more AI powered tech platforms being big names in the sales tech space by the end of this year. And I do think that second nature will be part of that uh, conversation for sure. Now, the second announcement during this week, which I also want to call out um, just simply because it uh, is a reflection of a quite interesting dynamic is the announcement of Showpad having a new CEO. So Showpad is one of the big sales enablement platforms out there, one of the big players that you would typically see in big enterprise conversations around sales enablement technology infrastructure. And I actually had Henrik uh, Isabert, who is the new CEO of Showpad on the State of Sales Enablement podcast as an interview partner before. I highly recommend listening to that episode because he shares a lot of interesting thoughts. And I think the reason why that is interesting is because the 
sales enablement tech space is such a competitive uh, market and leadership changes oftentimes make for a adjustment of strategy. And I'm really interested to see what will be happening on the back of that announcement and uh, that appointment. I think Henrik is a very smart guy and I'm interested to see what he will do to differentiate his platform, a space to watch. On to the last uh, segment, because I'm also very of the time. Uh, the last uh, bit that I want to call out is uh, in our regular Q&A session is a conversation. It wasn't so much a question, but it was a conversation that I recently um, had on LinkedIn. And the conversation evolved around uh, just-in-time enablement. And I just want to share a couple of thoughts on that front. Uh, for those who are not familiar with the concept of just-in-time enablement, it's essentially the thought that you, as an enabler, you actively join sales conversations and deals and enable just-in-time by actually curating resources, aligning resources across the business to drive the deal forward. And I think there's pros and cons to this approach. I do think it's an interesting concept, but... I previously have worked at a big media organization here in Australia, and I have experienced both the strategic sales enablement, which was more focused on creating the, the infrastructure and the processes that are required to strategically enable the sales team at scale, as well as a more tactical and more hands-on just-in-time approach. And I do think it really comes down to the resourcing within the business. I do think it's, there can be a potential for both approaches within a business, but if I had to pick one, I would go for the strategic approach just simply because you are able to cover more ground with less resource and you're just simply able to align all the resources across the business to enable your sales team at scale. If you're just a single enabler or a small team of maybe three people, it's really hard to join every conversation, even if it's just for the big deals. Uh, because it still sidetracks you from being able to uh, work on infrastructure processes and uh, projects and initiatives. I do think it can be a challenge. And I do think the just-in-time approach is probably something that businesses with uh, greater resourcing could be looking into and uh, it's worth investing for those businesses. But for small organizations, maybe 50 to 100 staff overall, I do think it might be tricky unless you really deal with massive deal sizes with low deal volume and uh, big revenue numbers for those small deal numbers. And yeah, I think it's uh, something that I'm keen to discuss uh, more in the future, but those are my initial thoughts on that. Now, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you so everybody who's been listening in live and uh, everybody who's been downloading the podcast. As I said in the beginning, I absolutely love running this show at the moment. Uh, so much learning, so much great audience interaction. Uh, so. Everybody who's been supporting so far, I really appreciate you. And we also have a lot of great guests coming up in Q1. So if you're not subscribed yet, please subscribe to the State of Sales Enablement podcast on your favorite podcast platform or on the stateofsalesenablement.com. Thank you so much for joining as always. And I will speak to you soon. Bye-bye.